Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. We are not necessarily experts, but rather fantasy coaches here to encourage you and help you win and find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. We won't always be right, but we hope we'll be convincing. I'm Bryce Johnson coming to you from the Unpacking It Ministry studio here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yesterday, we had the big Unpacking It golf tournament here in Charlotte, and, and so I'm, I'm worn out from that, but I am enthusiastic and excited about today's show and the opportunity to talk a little fantasy football, a little faith, life with my buddy Harrison Zuckerberg coming to you from Texas, and great to have him with us. We'll say hello to him in just a moment. Today on the show, we will do I'm Convinced. We will jump into the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook. This week's topic is about compounding mistakes. We do it in fantasy. Unfortunately, sometimes we do it in life. But how do we avoid it? How do we learn uh, not to not to go that direction in, in fantasy and in life? We'll unpack all of that in the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. If you haven't gotten yours yet, it's not too late in the season to get it. Uh, you can find the the book on Amazon or by going to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. We'll also spend a lot of time looking at waiver wire options. Uh, who do you who do you target and and who are some guys even, you know, we try to 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 get guys before the hype, before you have to pay the big price to get them. Uh, you know, you got to sometimes think ahead. So we'll, we'll look into that as well. A lot of bye weeks. You got to prepare for bye weeks that are coming up. Uh, and then also a lot of storylines in the NFL, just some big picture stuff uh, that we need to to get to as well. But let's start with some fantasy shenanigans and say hello to Harrison. How are you, man? How was the the fantasy and NFL weekend for you and any shenanigans that you experienced? Uh, it was a terrible weekend for me in oh, fantasy no. and in NFL. It was so rough. I went 0-4 in fantasy this week. And part of that, when you're talking about, you know, building upon mistakes, um, a lot of mistakes that I made with managing my roster and then other ones that I just couldn't do anything about. But I really felt the burn of having that, you know, we talk about a consistent team, guys who aren't going to let yes. you down. But the problem is when you have a, such a consistent team, no one booms either. And if someone on the team you're playing breaks out, it's tough to recover from that. So like I have a team where it's Chris Godwin, Jacoby Myers, and Travis Kelsey all had good weeks, had like 12, you know, 13, 14 fantasy points. But then I was playing in two of my uh, matchups, someone who had CD Lamb, who yep. just went crazy in that Dallas game. So that really hurt me. Another mistake that I made, Damian Harris had been underperforming so far this year. We had him on Peace or Panic last week. He was looked like he was going to be banged up this week. So I benched him for Jamal Williams. 
Jamal Williams had 1.9 fantasy points. Damian Ooh. Harris had a great week. That killed me. And then finally. Let me pause my- here. Let me, let me just pause there. Damian Harris, because I was in that boat with you. I benched him as well. Uh, thankfully, the guy I put in was fine, which I'll talk about in a moment. But the the idea as fantasy owners, we can get really frustrated when we bench the, the wrong guy. And it's one of those things, though. We have to look at the big picture with Damian Harris. If we are, a, if he's on our team, it was great news that he played well. It yeah, was we are really news. happy. I Listen, feel much I hate, better this week about Damian Harris than I did last week. Yeah, and I hate missing out on his points, and it's a bummer. But we we, we don't want to root against him, so I'm glad, I'm thrilled he played. He played well. So we really have to train our mind because I think it's easy to get so frustrated. You're like, oh, I can't believe I benched him. No, I can believe it. It was worthy. It was a worthy benching. We didn't know if he was going to play, so. I just wanted to encourage you in that and anybody else in, in a similar boat. And then last week we were talking about the Chargers and how great they'd been for fantasy this year, and they just stank against the Ravens. I mean, Austin Eckler finally had his his bad game of the year where he just he didn't get the touchdowns, he didn't get the receiving work that we really wanted. And then Mike Williams also underperformed, and those two guys had carried me for the last couple of weeks, and when they both underperform and I didn't have anyone else who's a, a big boomer bust guy who could step up and replace that loss of points, I mean, I didn't have terrible week points-wise. I was just average, but the other guy just scored more than me, and that and that really hurt. I have no idea what to make of the Chargers game other than we see this in the NFL where certain matchups, certain weeks, certain days of, of uh, time of day, or sometimes it's a Thursday night game, sometimes it's a game in London, whatever. There's always just these random things that happen where a team plays way better than normal or way worse than normal. And unless it becomes a trend, I try not to, to panic too much or look too much into it. So I chalk up that Chargers game as – all right, that's their their clunker for the year. It better not happen again because uh, I got Eckler as well. So, uh, but that was a weird one to, to lose that way to uh, to yeah. Baltimore, which is yeah. a statement game for them. I think you're exactly right about that. I mean, we saw this with the Packers week one. They had their just awful game and rebounded after that. Rodgers and the offense have been fine since then. But then watching the NFL games particularly, my fantasy team's already underperforming. And I'm a Bears fan and a Washington football team fan. So the Bears are going against the Packers, and we're close. And then the fourth quarter, Aaron Rodgers has his touchdown run and goes over to the corner with all the Bears fans and screams, I own you, to Uh, all of them over and over. And that was insulting for me because I felt it was just unneeded. As a Bears fan, I know that Aaron Rodgers owns our team. He's something like 22-5 and against us. Like, you don't need to rub it in. Like, we all know that Aaron Rodgers has owned the Bears. It didn't need to be said. And then with Washington, you know, we hung in there for a while and then just couldn't keep up in the second half with Kansas City's offense. But the one the one good thing that Washington had going that day was they were tiring uh, Sean Taylor's number, which is a really cool thing. It was a little bit weird how it came about so suddenly, but they were tiring the number and overall it was a, a great day for the team. And then I saw after the game a post on Instagram from Patrick Mahomes' brother, Jackson Mahomes. I don't know if you know him at all, but he's big on social media and TikTok, doing a TikTok dance on top of the Sean Taylor Memorial that they had put on the field, 
which was even more of an insult to me. It was like, all right, great. So the one good thing that we had from this game was honoring Sean Taylor. Now I have to see Jackson Mahomes' brother dancing on top of it, and along with Aaron Rodgers disrespecting the Bears. I felt just so <laughs> tired of everyone not giving any of my team like any respect. Along with fantasy, it was just it was too much. I couldn't watch football for the rest of the day. So I I I don't keep up with TikTok. So was this wasn't this wasn't a good thing Mahomes was doing? It wasn't nice toward Taylor. I don't understand. Well, it was. I just felt it was a little so like how Juju Smith-Schuster last year got into a lot of trouble for doing the dances on top of other teams' logos before uh, the game. So it was a similar thing to that. He was just doing a – they had roped off on the sideline Sean Taylor's number spray-painted on the field, and he just stood on top of Sean Taylor's number and did a little dance on top of it, not realizing sort of the the importance of it, which – uh, you know, didn't I don't blame him at all for it if he didn't know. I mean, it's a little naive not to know it was Sean Taylor's number, what they were doing, but it, it just didn't feel great as a Washington fan seeing that happen. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so that was a tough, tough weekend for you as a Panthers fan. I had a tough, tough day as well, but fantasy wise, man, I gotta tell you, I had a tremendous weekend, some, some big performances, and the the player I, I I've told you this before, but during the preseason I watched a ton of games. I had a little daughter. I was watching a lot of games late at night, and I watched your Chicago Bears. And I watched this backup running back called Khalil Herbert, and I I go, this guy's good. I like this player, rookie out of Virginia Tech. I'm gonna try to get him on my fantasy team. Well, he was the third stringer to start the year, so I couldn't keep him on my fantasy roster. But as soon as Montgomery went down. I went all in on Herbert. Everybody went Damian Williams. I go, I'm going Herbert. I'm going Herbert. Now, it just so happened that that Williams was out with COVID, and so Herbert got his opportunity to start. Well, guess what? I didn't just keep – now, I got him on five of my six teams, Khalil Herbert. I started him in in the majority of them, and he was tremendous. So 19 carries, 97 yards, a touchdown. I was going nuts. There's nothing more satisfying when you get the guy – that's just kind of out of nowhere. Like last year with James Robinson, like it's just, it's just fun to have your guy that, that you saw, you go, I want him. Uh, let's, let's, let's go for it. And I was bold enough to start him, Uh, and I was rewarded for it. And so I celebrate that today here on fantasy football fellowship and the shenanigans segment. So Congrats to your boy, Herbert. It may, it may only be a one week situation, but I hope it's not. I hope it's not. I I really hope it's not because I listened to you. You convinced me. (laughs) I did pick him up as well in in two of my leagues and started him. So I got all those points and I don't want those points to be for nothing now because I lost. So I need him to come back another week and win next week. So I can at least have something to show for it in the win column. Absolutely. So, you know, the great thing for Chicago, even though their offensive line is not great, they still run the ball pretty well, and all three running backs are good. So whoever's out there, and um, so we'll see. We'll see as the season goes on. But at least for right now, I think uh, I think Herbert's nice to nice to have on your roster. All right, let's uh, let's begin with a little accountability. We'll do uh, a couple. I'm convinced, and then we'll uh, we'll jump into the playbook. Um, here here's uh, my accountability this week. <laughs> Speaking of the Bears, I dropped Darnell Mooney and to pick up a, a backup running back, which we'll talk about later, but it was a mistake to drop Mooney. I, I'd kind of given up on him, and then he has a nice touchdown for you know, against Green Bay. It, it was just a little – it was a knee-jerk reaction on my part, and I just have to confess that that was a poor managerial decision, and I'm sorry for it because – 
it's it's you can't give up on a young talented wide receiver the way that I did so flippantly uh <laughs> which was a bummer so what what do you need to to, to confess and, and be held accountable for yeah so I was big on Taylor Heineke going into this week as a uh, and I listened day. to you for quarterback I yeah I'm, I'm sorry about that one the Chiefs defense actually showed up and uh really really played well in the second half of that game which was uh surprising and what makes it even worse for me was this was a league where I had Kirk Cousins and then earlier in this season I did a couple I'm convinced about Kirk Cousins being a top 10 QB and how much I liked him for this season but he had underperformed the last few weeks and he was going against a tough Panthers defense so I, I benched him. I didn't want anything with Turk, Kirk Cousins this week, and I started Taylor Heineke. And instead, he lit up the Panthers for 30-plus fantasy points. And I have to sit there and look at Kirk Cousins at my bench and Taylor Heineke start and not doing anything. And that was uh, that was really painful as well this week. Uh, I started Heineke, and the guy I went up against, his quarterback doubled Heineke. So it was not, not great for me. Not great for me. All right, so uh, here's what I'm convinced of this week. First off, I'm convinced that Derrick Henry will not win your fantasy league for you because here's what happens this time of year. You're you've got Henry on your team. I've got him on one team. He's putting up such outrageous numbers and you have to evaluate your team. And if you're winning only because of Derrick Henry, you're not going to win at all because you cannot count on this to continue. Now, last year, final weeks of the season he was unbelievable to expect that again to expect him to be unbelievable from weeks one through this year what is it 17 18 whatever it is how many uh, 17th game however you do your championships in fantasy but I, I just think he's doing too much for the titans to for like, they're barely winning and he's maxed out on, on all that he does and it was a nice win against buffalo we'll give him that but the and then the idea that your fantasy team, if you're squeaking out wins and, and Henry's putting up those kind of numbers, you need to make some adjustments and you need to trade Henry for a couple of players. You got to load up on some players to be all in on one player in fantasy is very dangerous. And even though he's carrying you now, I just I, I wouldn't have the confidence to ride it out because here's here's what I'm also convinced of. My strategy of going after backup running backs, sometimes third string running backs and loading up my bench in fantasy with these guys is proving to be extremely fruitful for me. Okay. Whether it's Latavius Murray, whether it's Alex Collins, uh, you know, I've got a couple of different guys. So my one team, I have all running backs on my bench and it, so Herbert. So I pop Herbert in. Damian Harris. So that's very valuable because what, what are we seeing in the NFL this year? We, we see it most years. Running backs go down. They're out three to four weeks. We saw Chubb go down. We saw uh, Kareem Hunt go down. I mean, Chris Carson. The list goes on and on and on. You have to have these backup running backs. Now, Henry is an anomaly at this moment. But to expect this to continue, I think, is very wishful thinking. Now, he's he's unbelievable. So I'm not taking away from him. I'm just looking at, again, the bigger picture, and uh, that's where I come out on all that. So I expect running backs to get injured. That's that's how I play fantasy. I expect them to get hurt. Um, so there you go. What, what, what are you convinced of, and what do you think of that take? Yeah, so, I mean, talk about Derrick Henry being an anomaly. I mean, I think he's only missed one game his entire NFL career with the amount of work that he gets and how physical he is. That's just unbelievable at this point that he's only missed one game due to injury. Um, 
I don't know. I, I agree with the backup running back take and how important they are this year. I just don't know if that's going to be the case with Henry and the Titans. I think he's so unbelievable, and I don't think that he's going to be slowing down anytime soon. Uh, but now flipping that to my I'm convinced for this week, talking about another backup running back performing well, and this has a little bit of accountability mixed into it from last week. So last week I said not to pick up Daryl Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think you I were a, with you. a little Final bit of thought. agreement with that. We thought Jarek McKinnon was going to be um, more involved yes. there, and he just wasn't involved at all this week. But what this sort of has to do with for me is reevaluating how I look at Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is someone who I've had on my fantasy team the last two seasons, and I've been disappointed both seasons, so it might be a little bit of bias, but I just think he might be a bad fantasy running back. When mm. we talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, Everyone says that, oh, the reason he hasn't been productive is because the Chiefs don't give him the ball. They just don't want to use the running backs in the offense because they have Patrick Mahomes. Well, Daryl Williams destroyed that narrative this weekend. Williams scored more fantasy points this last week than Clyde Edwards Hilaire has at any point during his career. Wow. He had, which is wow. just unbelievable for me to think that a guy that we've been picking in the first three rounds the last couple of years got outscored by his backup in one game. Um, Williams had 21 carries for four targets in his first game as a starter. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire didn't have 20 carries once this season before he got injured, and he's only had 20 carries three times his entire career. Yeah. And that's that's not uncommon because we think about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as a, a lot as a pass catching back, but four targets in the single game for Daryl Williams, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire hasn't had four targets in a game this year either. So... I think watching this game, and it's not like Daryl Williams is this amazing backup or talent in the NFL. Like He's a very average backup running back. I think he only had three yards per carry this last game, so he wasn't even unbelievable. But the Chiefs just seemed to trust him more than they had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at any point during this season or really his his career so far. And I don't think this increased work is something because of like a game script where, you know, they were running the ball a lot because they were up. I mean, they were losing until late in the third quarter of of this game. So it was really interesting to see how much they used Williams compared to Hilaire earlier in the season. And the most interesting thing for me was that before he got injured, Clyde Edwards Hilaire had seven total red zone carries in the first five games of the season. Daryl Williams had six just this weekend, mm. which when you look at running backs, especially in the Kansas City offense that score so many points, you want running backs that score touchdowns. And it's not that they don't want to use the running back in the red zone. They just don't want to use Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the red zone. So this has me really concerned for when he comes back, when he's on my fantasy team. Because I think there, these next few weeks, I think Darrell Williams could legitimately win this running back job from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or at least be in contention to be in a split timeshare there when he comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he has more of a role than he did previous this season when Clyde comes back. So I have him in a couple of my fantasy teams right now. I'm actively looking to trade Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for someone else. And, and if you're in Dynasty, I know you play a lot of Dynasty. If I had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'd be trying to move him for a draft pick as, as quickly as possible right now. Because I think this week was, I don't want to overreact for one week, but I think it was just really telling how much they don't trust him as a running back and they like the other options on this team where I don't think he's going to be a top 25 back at any point going forward. Which it, it felt, no, it's, it's a great, great information. And, and the fact that, 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire was actually playing better before his injury, yet there's still that lack of of trust there, which is fair. Uh, I do wonder when a team loses kind of surprisingly, so the Chiefs, you know, they've struggled a little bit more this year than, than we anticipated. Oftentimes the result of that is we've got to establish the run. We got to get back to the run. We got to get back to the run. And so this happened to the Panthers on, on Sunday. It's like, oh, we got to, you know, Sam Darnold couldn't throw the ball 40% completion percentage or whatever. So it's like, all right, we got to get back to the run, back to the run. So that's what the Chiefs did against the, the Washington, which I think factors in partly to this. But I think the concerns that you raise are fair. So, um, so that's good stuff. All right, let's, let's dive into the FFF playbook. And this week's topic, uh, so basically, you know, each week we, we take a, topic in fantasy and how it relates to the Bible and our own lives. And in fantasy, we make mistakes, okay? We we know we shouldn't draft the running back that's getting too old. We know we shouldn't draft the, the rookie tight end as early as we do. And what ends up happening is the season gets going and we realize, oh man, yeah, I blew it. I I, I, I knew it. That was a bad mistake, but what do we do? We double down. We double down on our mistakes. We were so, uh, you know, sometimes prideful, sometimes foolish, where we continue to keep the guy in our starting lineup because we think, nope, this is going to be the week. This is going to be the week. I drafted this guy in the third round. I've got to start him. He's got a big name. I got I to keep him out there. But what, but what happens? We continue to hurt our team week after week. And we realized after week one, uh-oh, this is a mistake. And then, okay, all right, well, uh, we'll give him one more shot week two. And then we keep him in there week three, week four. Now, this is happening to me in <laughs> with my quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. It's a total mistake. I reached to draft him. He has, I mean, he's one of the worst starting quarterbacks right now. Like starting fan, for me to even put him in the lineup is unbelievable. But the mistake that I made was, okay, I drafted him. I only like having one quarterback, really, on my team. And so early in the year, I wasn't picking anybody else up. Like, I should have gotten Derek Carr. I should have gotten Carson Wentz. I should have picked up uh, one of the rookie quarterbacks, even. Like, somebody. And I didn't. I just, I, I, I think I had Carr maybe one week. But, but I haven't had anybody on my bench. And so now I'm, like, I'm scrambling. There's, there's, so I've, I've made mistake after mistake with that, that, that position on my team. And so it's a big issue. And so what ends up happening is we have to eventually be willing to let go of a player and and kind of start fresh, turn from that guy. And if it means he needs to be benched or if it means he needs to be released or traded, we got to do it. We got to make the move because we're hurting ourselves by not moving on from that mistake or from that, that player. And so how many of us in our own lives we make choices and, and we give in to temptation. We make bad choices and we give in to temptation, uh, even though we know we shouldn't. And, and too often, we don't stop or, or let go after the first mistake. And so then one poor move leads to another and we compound our mistakes. And, and so we convince ourselves, ah, it's just one, one more drink or one more look or one more conversation. And then what ends up happening? We make more bad decisions. And so instead of stopping the cycle and admitting we made an initial mistake, we justify our actions and continue heading down a path of compromise and compounding sin. 
Now, in fantasy football, when we blow it and choose a player who's hurting our team, you know, we need to click the drop button and, and move on. And by doing so, we admit that we don't want the disappointment to continue. And so, likewise, we don't have to prolong our misguided choices in life by adding more sin. But instead, we run to the cross of Christ, we receive his grace, and we humbly repent. We ask for forgiveness, and we genuinely you know, grieve our mistake and, 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 and allow ourselves to be cleansed by, by Jesus, and, and we move on. And we move on from the mistake, and we don't, allow it, we don't allow ourselves to continue down the path of compounding sin. And so Matthew 3, 8 says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And so for you and I, you know, we've got to recognize when we're being tempted and, and when that wrong path is in front of us. And, and so we'll be more likely to turn toward God before the compounding sin begins. So we have to, we have to nip this in the bud. We have to realize it sooner. And so you know, wisdom and spiritual maturity is, is a key part of this. Same thing in fantasy football. The more we play, the more we realize uh oh, I'm heading down a bad path here. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta nip this in the bud right now and and move on. Um, and then uh, one other encouragement for us in First Corinthians ten thirteen, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful; He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so today, as we we finally release the player. Let's also let go of anything in our lives that causes us to compound our mistakes. Let's decide to release the sin before it turns into more. And, and, and you know, leave the temptation. You know, God gives us a way out, and we got to take that, that way out um, and, and, and move on. Because otherwise, once we head down that path, we give in the one temptation, so often then we give in to the sin, we can give into another sin after that. And we make up for, or we, we think we're making up for the other sin and it just means more sin. And so we've got to repent, acknowledge it, and, and turn toward God and follow his path instead. Uh, one of life and faith and fruit and, and wisdom and joy and peace. And so let's keep following Jesus. And, and I hope that that's encouraging to us today, uh, not only as fantasy owners, but, but also uh, as, we, as we follow Jesus as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an important kind of rhythm of life, forgiveness, confession, and allowing Jesus to cleanse us. And so what he did on the cross uh, opens up that door for us to receive his grace and mercy and love. And so he loves us so much. So uh, we'll rest in that for sure. So there you go. That's this week's topic, compounding mistakes in the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook. Harrison, let's jump into the waiver wire. And, and let's, let's look at, at who we want to invest in, who do we want to pass on uh, as, we, as we take a look at, at who's available this week. I think one of the more intriguing situations is in Cleveland. You know, top two running backs, two of the best running backs in the league, both produced very well for fantasy owners. The, the whole offense is really built around the run. And regardless of, to me, I'll just quick side take, I actually think Case Keenum, could win as many games as Baker Mayfield. I don't think there's any drop-off. So if, Kane, if Keenum has to play, I don't think it changes anything for Cleveland. However, with the other two guys out, uh, with you know, I guess Chubb might maybe sniff playing, but Hunt's going to be out for a few weeks. Um, and so now we've got two other running backs 
to explore. So we have DeErnest Johnson and Demetric Felton. So why don't you break down these two guys, and I, and I'll let you know which one I uh, prefer. But but go 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 ahead. Yeah. So the big injury from this week was Cream Hunt has a calf strain. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Uh, Chubb was out last week, and you know if this they're playing on Thursday night this week, so this was a Sunday game. Um, he'd probably be playing, but just because it's a Thursday night game, they don't think he's going to be ready in time, so he probably won't play. So the two backup running backs that they have are Ernest Johnson and Demetric Felton. Um, so Johnson is pretty much the bigger between the tackles prototypical running back. And he's probably going to look to draw the start this week. He should be, um, you know, in there on first and second down and getting a majority of the touches, you know, goal line work, what you'd want to see from a running back that you'd want to come in and fill that, uh, Chubb role. But, uh, Demetric Felton's a really interesting player, the other running back that they have. So he's a rookie this year out of UCLA, and he was a super electric uh, slot wide receiver running back combo in college um, and, and, and has great you know measurables athletically. And I think he's even more interesting this week, too, if Odell Beckham ends up not playing. And not only will he get some running back looks, but he'll get some wide receiver looks as well in the slot, which is where they've mainly been using him this season. So even though he's listed as a running back, he has zero carries on the year. And I think he's only lined up in the backfield twice. He's really only been used as a wide receiver. But I think he's interested for this game just because he is on the running back depth chart the number two guy now behind Johnson. And maybe he gets somewhere between eight to 10 carries with both um, Hunt and Chubb out. And he's a, you know, he's a much better pass catcher than Johnson is. So I think third down work, you know, he's a guy that will be on the field a lot. And also that big athletic ability, when you talk about, you know, third down running backs, to me, he's similar to a guy like Eckler a little bit where you love Austin Eckler because he doesn't need to get a ton of touches to be able to be productive. He can still score points. That's yep. sort of the role that I see for Felton this week and even moving forward. Because when Chubb comes back, I don't think Dernis Johnson will have any role in this offense when Chubb comes back. Chubb is going to still be the number one running back on this team between the tackles, goal line, early work. But I think Felton can still stick in that third down role that Hunt played while Hunt is out and have a larger role as the season continues, being a rookie, getting more acclimated. So if you need someone to start just for this week, I would probably pick up Johnson. Let's say it's a bye week, your your running backs are out. I would pick up Johnson. But if you want someone who maybe you don't have to start right now, but is definitely an enticing play going forward to maybe be a flex play, which is where a lot of people had Kareem Hunt in their lineup, I would go with Felton. I think he could be special over these next couple of weeks uh, with his explosive ability in this offense. So I'm in on Felton as well, and he's the guy that I would invest in. I would pass on on Johnson. I mean, unless you're in a desperate spot with buys. So that that's that's part of it. But yeah, you gotta look big picture and and Felton would be just a little bit more value. Uh, I also like rookies because rookies come in and, and sometimes they can exceed expectations just because we haven't seen them before. So I like the unknown uh with him. So I, I mentioned earlier that I dropped Darnell Mooney. So I dropped Mooney for Felton. And so not the worst move, but my I, I stand by what I said earlier about Mooney, but I like the potential with with Felton and and like I said I love backup running backs and and the potential especially if they start getting get more work. So I picked them up in my two big leagues and uh so I'm investing and I invested in them last week. So I I you got to get ahead of it. Otherwise you're paying the big price. So um all right, let's go through a couple other ones. So 
Rashad Penny is a guy that you you basically invest now a little bit ahead of time. Uh, Seattle running back, even though he's probably on most people's radar because now Alex Collins is banged up. I picked up Alex Collins a couple weeks ago, uh, got ahead of it a little bit, thankfully, uh, with Carson down. And, and so he had a good week last week against Pittsburgh. Uh, he's still not like an unbelievable his, – his ceiling's not real high, but there's potential there and volume uh, in Seattle if he's healthy. So I will pass on Penny. I would rather have Collins. I will pass on Penny. And I avoid guys that are always on the injured list. I don't. Penny might have three great re- weeks. I'm not taking the risk. I don't want to deal with them. I don't want to deal with Will Fuller. I don't want to deal with Paris Campbell. I, these guys that are, I don't want to deal with uh, Kenny Galladay. I'm out. These guys are always hurt. So uh, I'm passing on Rashad Penny. What yeah, I would I would pass on him as well, just because even if he does stay in and health in his healthy, which is still a big if, um, I don't see the offense with Geno Smith being so explosive that he gets a ton of scoring opportunities, which is really important for a running back, especially if they're not going to be catching passes. Um, a pass catching running back that I would look to invest in, though, is JD McKissick for the Washington football team. Now he's already coming. Already be on rosters. He should, but I've looked. He's still available in a lot of leagues. I was surprised that he is. I'm surprised that he's still available as he is, because I would have picked him up a while ago if if I was needing a running back. But you know, he's already been productive as the pass catcher there, even with Antonio Gibson. Now Gibson uh, is banged up, might be out one to two weeks. I think McKissick comes in, especially with a matchup against Green Bay this week, where they're going to be playing from behind and having to throw the ball a lot to get back in the game i think he could be a really strong especially ppr play this week for fantasy yeah he should absolutely be on rosters so i would invest in him and then rashad bateman somebody we mentioned uh where you could have stashed him on your ir spot he did come back and play what what did you you think of him and and for those that maybe didn't invest in him a couple of weeks ago is, is it worth doing it now yeah, so we mentioned him a few weeks ago um, as a rookie wide receiver, you know, just trying to get ahead of it before he got a lot of the hype. And I think there is still time to pick him up now before he has a big week. So what's really interesting about him is we know the big play threat that Hollywood Brown is in Baltimore, but they really don't have that other second consistent wide receiver. And what was really interesting about Bateman's first game back uh, from injury was that they were not shy about trying to give him the ball. He had six targets, which was tied for the most on the team with Mark Andrews, and he also played the second most snaps of any wide receiver. So they were not easing him in at all. He was on the field and ready to go. And I think the six targets, he had four receptions off those six targets, is is only signs of what's going to come for him, is that he's going to be this reliable option for Lamar in the passing game And especially in PPR, I think he is a guy that you can stash on your bench and will have a lot of value throughout the season and could potentially grow into a flex wide receiver two role in that Baltimore offense. Yeah, I think I don't love the Ravens weapons outside of Lamar Jackson. And so I do have Latavius Murray and he's a little banged up and they've got a rotating, you know, you got Devonta Freeman and now Bell has been activated. So it's it's hard to figure out. And then with the receivers, it's just year after year, wasn't it going to be Perryman, Richard Perryman, like all these different guys over the years. So I just I I'm I'm negative toward the wide receivers in Baltimore in the way that they're set up, how they run their offense and the hit the up and down. But uh, 
if you're desperate for a wide receiver, he's he's worth investing, but I wouldn't go over the top with him. So that's where I come out. Um, all right, so let's see. Anybody else? Um, bye, bye weeks are, are tough. And so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that before we mention any other players. Um, bye weeks are very – this is where good managers are different from great managers is how you manage bye weeks and how you prepare for them and how well you've – worked the waiver wire up until this point to set yourselves up for these important weeks, uh, especially like this week with so many good teams and good players out. Um, to me, when I draft in the off season, I don't care about the buys. I don't worry about it because as the season gets going, a lot of changes happen. Guys, I thought we're going to start back in July or August. They don't start. And so you, you make adjustments, but once you get a couple weeks out, you know, you start to look at, okay, is my depth, you know, what what positions are my weakest and am I providing myself enough depth to, to, to offer flexibility? So I like to set up my teams to where I'm not worried about a guy being on a bye and I'm not worried about a guy getting injured. I, I keep rolling. So that's why I have George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson. Kittle's out. It's a bummer, but I'm going to win with TJ Hawkinson. And Damian Harris started struggling. All right, I'll move him to the bench. I'll put in Herbert. So, so that's what we want. That's what we want to do. And then to me, you only need a couple good receivers and ride it out with them. You don't need a sixth receiver that puts up 12 points a week. You can go grab that guy later. If you ever get desperate for a waiver wire spot. So load up with backup running backs and, 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 you know, then you can plug those guys in during the bye weeks. Um, so I, so I guess my point is, I don't worry too much about it in the offseason, and it's it's right now where I start finagling and and figuring it out. What about for you, Harrison, as far as eh, I'll just lose one week. I'll get everybody in the same bye week and just lose that one game so that then I don't have to worry about the other weeks. Yeah, so that's a strategy I've kind of believed in uh, for the last few years was that if we can, you know, I wouldn't go out of my way to draft players that have the same bye week. But if I'm deciding between two guys and they happen to have the same one, I don't view that negatively because, for example, this week, you know, I have a lot of guys on Buffalo and a lot of guys on the uh, Chargers who are going to be out this week. So my team are not looking very good, but those are two really high powered offenses that I didn't want to miss out on either way. So I'd rather have this one week where I'm probably going to lose just because I don't have any of my star players. But for the rest of the season, when other guys are scrambling to fill guys on their roster because maybe one of their receivers are out or their tight ends out, I'll be at full strength at my roster. I don't have to worry about buys for the rest of the season now. And if your team's not like that, the one advice, like piece of advice that I could give would be don't drop someone who may have value later to try to pick up a waiver wire guy for this week. If you have a rookie that on your bench that you really believe in a few weeks from now is going to break out, or you have maybe a really good receiver on your bench, but you know, your running backs aren't looking too well or your tight end, you don't have a good starting tight end or even a defense. Don't drop that guy to just get an average guy this week. That's going to score six points because the chance that that six points determines whether you win or lose probably isn't that high. And then so what? Even if you get one win, win this week because you've got a guy who got five extra points for your team, you've now lost a player who could be you know top 25 potential for the rest of your season. I'd rather have that guy on my bench. And that's specifically with defenses because you know a lot of people will have one defense that they carry throughout the whole year. Like I have Dallas's defense in a couple of leagues and they've been fantastic so far. 
I'm not going to drop Dallas's defense to go pick up an average mediocre defense to score me two points this week. And hope Those to get two, Dallas back on the waivers. Yeah. And, and then probably miss out on Dallas because I'm not high on waiver priority because my team's doing well. That's not worth it to drop someone who's going to start for me every week and score me 10 plus points just to get two points this week instead of zero. So don't waste yeah. your time trying to pick up. And defenses can score negative points too. So if you pick up the wrong one, they might hurt you. Yeah. Don't drop your top defense if you have a really good defense to just pick up an average one this week and then be set back for the rest of the season. That's great advice. I, I buy into that. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, yeah, if you've got one of the top three, four, maybe five defenses, hang on to them. Now, if, if you're talking like six to 15, there's very little difference, but there are some elite ones that you, you do want to hang on to. So that's, that's, that's wonderful advice. Uh, sorry. Well, there was one other team I wanted to talk about in regards to the waiver wire and, and just kind of keeping an eye on the backup running back situation in Cincinnati. So we know that Mixon, you know, he's been in the league a few years now. He, he is a, a three down back. He's very effective. Cincinnati's good. I mean, that was a big win for them on Sunday. Um, but Mixon could miss time. He already has. P. Ryan and Evans have both shown that they're legit backups. So I'm almost fine having either one of them. Um, but I would keep an eye on, on both of those guys. Uh, Evans played well this week, P. Ryan the week before. And now this coming week, who's the main backup? And then he's probably the guy you want to keep in case of a Mixon injury down the line. Yeah, I think that's great advice because Mixon's a very often injured player. And then I think the really interesting thing with Evans this week was that he still had a really productive fantasy game as a backup, even with Mixon having an unbelievable game and scoring 20-plus fantasy points. So there is still room for both of them to coexist. And if Mixon goes down again, then that's even more opportunity for Evans in the future. And yeah, and to your point earlier about the Browns, like there's probably a little bit more of a shot for Evans with Mixon versus P. Ryan with Mixon. But if Mixon goes down, P. Ryan probably gets a lot of the early work, probably ends up with more yards and carries potentially. So kind of a similar, similar situation with that. But um, yeah, the running back committees and all that stuff when when the main guy goes down is always a, always a little tricky. But um, I, I think I think running backs. I'm still old school fantasy guy where running backs carry me. Like I rely on the running back position. So um, not everybody does, but that's, that's my, that's where I come out on it. All right. Last thing. And then we'll, we'll wrap up and get out of here. Uh, we love doing a one hit wonder. So who's somebody that scored this weekend. I watched it last night. They're in the, uh, the Titans game and uh, the bills game thinking, all right, Oh, here comes uh Harrison's boy Dawson Knox with a big touchdown. Uh uh-uh. uh, it was the other tight end. It was Tommy Sweeney, tight end for the Bills, gets his first career touchdown. And that's the one hit wonder in football. And I got a one hit wonder for you in the world of music as well, because we love music here uh, at Unpacking It. But uh, how about this from the 70s? The boys are back in town. You know, you'd, you'd probably think, like, man, that's a great song. That's probably from a great band. No, it's a one-hit wonder by Finn Lizzy. How about that? I don't think they've uh, stood the test of time, but that song has. So uh, there you go. Finn Lizzy. The boys are back in town. All right, Harrison, what's your one-hit wonder? All right, my one-hit wonder for this week is another tight end. 
Chris Herndon for the Minnesota Vikings used to be on the Jets, got traded to the Vikings this year, has his first catch of the season for two yards and a touchdown in that win over the Panthers. And my song is 8675309 by Tommy Two-Tone. I think this song is just so just amazing because you know, so many people like try to with the Grammys and everything, like analyze lyrics and what stuff means. And, you know, everyone works at it. eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine, just a number over yeah. and over again. And it, it's Tremendous. a hit. It, it's so catchy. I love it. I, I love it too. That's a good one. That's a great one hit wonder. And uh, yeah, you're not turning that if that's coming on the radio. No way. So that's a, that's a good one. All right. And actually, I don't. I kind of like Chris Herndon. Like I, I got, I was, I was buying the hype a couple of years ago. So I'm not totally sold on him being just a one hit wonder. It's we we've, he's definitely post hype at this point. The jets gave up on him, traded him away. Uh, but I won't be surprised if he, we hear his name again. I'll put it that way. Um, I'm not going to pick him up on the waiver wire. Don't get crazy, but uh, yeah, don't, don't throw his name out completely. And actually my boy, Tommy Sweeney, Knox is a little banged up, so maybe Sweeney will get a look uh, moving forward. And it, it's probably like a one, one or two week issue for for Knox, but he still throws a touchdown. That was unbelievable. Good for him. Now the Bills lost, which was surprising to many. The Titans are hard to figure out, but AJ Brown being back last night was big. He's kind of one of those peace or panic guys. Uh, if I could trade Julio Jones off my team, I would. Julio Jones, even though he, he was he did okay at times, but what he did, he got like a hamstring again. In the fourth quarter, so is that what it was? It was a hand. I think it was a hamstring. Yeah, I think it's a, he's going to be out for uh, a few weeks, or at least oh, questionable fantastic. for a few weeks. But that he's one catch for life. Yeah, <laughs> that one catch that he had on the sideline, though, off nice. the deflected ball, that was amazing. That was crazy. I will say he wears number two now. It's weird. He doesn't, and now he's like in a Titans jersey with number two. It's still hard for me to like register in my mind that that's Julio Jones out there. Yeah, it, it is kind of weird because he's one of those players where it's like. You know, you're just so used to seeing him in number 11 for the Falcons. I thought I'd never see him leave Atlanta. And the Titans are just another team where it's like it, people just look weird in their jerseys who aren't <laughs> supposed to be in like Titans jerseys. Like there's somewhere he could like flip flop back and forth and be like, all right, I could see Julio Jones playing there. But but the black and red to then powder blue, the transition doesn't really work for me. I can't see it. No, it's funny. It really is. And I don't know why he's on my fantasy team. Cause it's like, I've never been a Julio guy, but I, I land. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a mess. And then I got Ryan Tannehill. So the Titans, they got the win. Tannehill still can't, Brady came and give me 20 points. It's just, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. He did run one in, but it's just not enough. Henry takes it all. Derek Henry. Gosh, he's unbelievable. All right, Harrison. Great show. Great job. Appreciate it. Thanks for everybody listening today. Let's work on compounding mistakes, not compounding mistakes. Let's avoid them. As soon as we get, as soon as we start seeing a mistake happen, we gotta, we gotta run. We gotta move on from it um, in fantasy and in life. But I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan and a fantasy owner who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that He died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by His grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the Thursday night game, Cleveland, Denver, and then uh, we'll have another big weekend in the NFL and we'll talk about it next Tuesday here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast.